Today, uh, I'm supposed to introduce myself first of all. I'm Sam, uh, if you don't know me. Now, I was, I was getting really hung up on introductions earlier on this week. I was like... Do I just say Sam and then I finish? Or do I say Sam, I'm married to Lay? And, and God really hit me with that. And he was like, well, when you read the letters, Paul, when Paul writes some of a lot of his letters, he has this like, full-on like, introduction of who he is. And we're spending time in Romans today, so maybe that was why I was on my mind. And I felt God say that beyond, before anything else I need to say about me, yeah, I'm Sam, but I'm a child of God. I'm redeemed and rescued by the blood of Jesus. And I'm f- totally forgiven and set free. And that's who I am when I stand before you now. Nothing that I have done has achieved that. It's all God. And actually, funnily enough, we're going to look at some of that today. But I am Sam, and I am married to a lady called Lay. She's doing kids' work at the moment. Um, So let's pray for them upstairs that they're having a great time. I'm sure they are. So today we're looking at Romans. And um, it's our first one of a mini-series on Romans. And I don't know about you, but um, when I think of the book of Romans, I feel like the term jam-packed comes into mind. It's like so full on the book of Romans that when Graham gave me Romans 6, I thought, it's quite a lot, Graham. You've given me one message (laughs) to talk about Romans 6. Um, If I'm honest, I started making notes eight pages in. I thought, they're not going to want eight pages worth of notes, are they? So you're pleased that I've cut it down. yeah, seven and a half. Uh, so, no, we are, we are looking forward to today. Uh, I'm looking forward to today about what God's going to do with us. But you may not know much about Romans, so I'm just going to fill you in on a few little bits about Romans. Um, Romans, why are we studying it as a church? Well, there's a guy called Professor Cranfield, and he says that Romans is a theological hole from which nothing can be taken away without some measure of disfigurement or distortion. And another professor, a guy called Professor Bruce, states it's a, it's a sustained and coherent statement of the gospel. Why Romans? Well, Romans is jam-packed for the amazing theology of the gospel of God. The gospel, the good news for you. It's got a great message of unity that as Christians we need to live together in harmony and holding on to key theological truths about who God is and his amazing, amazing love and sacrifice for us. But also, there's, a, there's an aspect of Christian living when we read Romans. We can see there's Paul instructing us again on how to live. And finally, even though it was written thousands of years ago, it's so relevant for us today. I don't know about you, but I look at the culture around me and there's draws to do so many different things. There's draws for me to be tempted to be in some way, we've heard some of them today already, to be condemned. I don't know about you, but when I look at the world around me, there's such a cancel culture. You do one thing wrong, you're condemned for life. Romans doesn't have that message. Romans doesn't have that message at all in the slightest. When the world says you're condemned, Romans says there's no condemn. Well, Romans says that you're not condemned in any way from Christ Jesus. You're forgiven, you're set free, you've got a new master, and that's what we're going to look at today in Romans 6. But who wrote Romans? I'm sure some of you know this already. It's Paul. And uh, you might, if you're anything like me, you might like to know when, what kind of was going on in his life at the time or where he is. If you're interested in what's going on in his life, it's around Acts 20, they think they're kind of placing Romans. So they think he's in Corinth at the time when he's writing it. And we kind of know this because he mentions three places he's going to go to. The first is he wants to visit Jerusalem, and then he says, I'm going to come to Rome, where he's writing, and the last he says is where he's going to go, where Christ isn't known yet, and that's Spain. And so this helps us pinpoint when Romans is written. Um, And 
Paul has such a heart for why he's writing this, but it's weird. Romans doesn't explicitly say why Paul wrote the book of Romans. Some of the other letters we read, we kind of get, he tells us, I'm writing this because of da 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 But Romans, he doesn't say that. So we have to look a little bit there. So we think that part of his writing is because of those three places he's about to visit. So Jerusalem, as I mentioned, he's asking the church in Rome to pray for his visit to Jerusalem because it's going to be a, a hard time there. It's going to be a tough, it's a really important place for him. He's like, pray because I go to visit. Pray that I have influence and I can speak the gospel and I can bring the church together and that he's not massively persecuted there. And then it says Spain, if you know much about Paul, Paul loves preaching the gospel. If there's one thing he likes more than anything, it's like, here's the gospel, and here's it again, and here's it again, and here's it again. He loves preaching the gospel, and what a heart that is for us. And so he's, he's writes to the church in Rome, and he says, can you help me out with that, guys? Can you help me out? Can you pray for it? Can you help me assist in that? So maybe financial in some way like that. Can you help me when I'm off to Spain to preach the gospel? And um, funnily enough, he could have missed Rome out, couldn't he, on his journey? When you think about it, he could have gone to Jerusalem straight to Spain. But he loves the fellowship in Rome. He wants to go and meet this, this church that's there that is a mix of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. This wonderful mix, but at the same time, they've got a bit of conflict going on in, uh, in Rome. And this is uh, what John Stott says about the conflict. It's a conflict of law versus freedom. The Jewish, the Jewish Christians holding on to the past Jewish ways of what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be circumcised. You're supposed to do things like this. And the Gentile Christians are like, no, no, let's be free. Let's do whatever we want. Um, and so John Stock comments on Rome, on Romans saying this. The Jewish Christians were proud of their favored status and the Gentile Christians of their freedom. So Paul saw the need to humble both. What a great way as we enter into Romans 6, knowing the context of this, this passage that we're going to be looking at today is because there's these two sets of Christians that are in one church, house churches, have holding different theology, and Paul's like, no, no, you're both wrong. This is what it is. And he presents the gospel, and he presents the truth of living for Jesus. What a great way to enter into it. Just before we pick up Romans 6, there's a, the end of, just so you have context of the end of Romans 5, essentially he sums up the gospel in the most beautiful way. So he's given the message of Jesus that we are forgiven by the blood of Jesus, we're set free, we're raised from the dead, and then he enters into Romans 6. Now, um, I was thinking about this, and if you've got two opposing views. You've got the, the Jewish Christians and you've got the Gentile Christians holding very different things. When you read the bit in Romans 5, there's essentially, it I'll read it to you actually, might as well. Roman, Romans 5 verse 18 to 21. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through the righteousness to bring eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And I don't know about you, but if you've got these two opposing uh, views, you've got the, the Jewish Christians being like, 
let's live in the law. You've got the Gentile Christians being like, let's do what you want. You can imagine, they're both going, yay, we're justified. Yay, we're forgiven. And the Jewish Christians go, oh, well, wait a minute. What did you say about the law? What did you say about the law? It brings trespass. It brings us into, into problems. It's like, imagine going, come on, Paul. You were Jewish. You were Jewish. What? You love the law. Why, what are you getting rid of your life for? And, he, and I kind of feel like you've got the Gentile Christians kind of celebrating. See, he told you we were right. It was all about the freedom. But the joy of, this, joy of Paul, as you read what John Stott said, is the letter doesn't finish there. The letter enters into chapter 6, which Barr is going to come and read for us. Dead to sin, alive in Christ. What should we say then? Should we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives... He lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey the evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who've been brought from death to life, and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin? Sorry, can't read it here. (laughs) What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you know that when you offer yourself to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one that you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become 
slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural cells. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you've been set free from sin and to become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thanks, Bar. I know some of you might be sitting there thinking, well, that was a long passage, wasn't it? But um, I just felt it was really important to read the chapter we're talking about today. I felt it was really important that we, as we journey through aspects of this passage, that you have already heard it. You've already got it very recently in your thinking. Because the reading of Scripture is so important. The knowing of Scripture is really important. And, use, and God using it to teach us and transform our lives is so, so important. So let's start with our next slide, if you don't mind. That's me, okay? Now, I don't know if you can see it because I had to search the depths of Facebook for a photo from this time period. Now, even this one is slightly, I'm slightly too old compared to where I wanted to be. I'm not the person on the right. Um, when you look at it your way, one on the left in the Nike white hoodie and the nice white tracksuit bottoms. Now, I don't wear that today because that just isn't cool in any way. But at that time, I grew up in northeast London, and at that time, that's, that's what you wanted to wear. I, had, I remember still wearing my Air Force Ones with the nice blue tick that I kept super, super, super clean, super white. And I lived a life where I was like, I think in the modern term, if there's any of you fears, like a road man or something like that. And I, am like, I was like that kind of guy. I used to sit at the top of the 86 bus. Is this microphone working? Oh, good. It's sort of the 86 bus going from Romford into Stratford. That was my journey home from school. I used to be the group at the top of the bus at the back and the upper floor being like the ones that were rowdy, the ones that caused those problems, the ones that used to have fights on the bus and stuff like that. Uh, I remember we used to get off one bus stop because they did chicken and chips for a pound and we used to get back on the bus for our chicken and chips. And one of my friends, I remember it, used to eat the chicken and throw bones out the window or throw bones at other people on the bus. I'm not proud of this, but I'm just telling you where I've been. This was me. And I... Loved looking like that. I loved the fact that I thought I was super cool at the time. I loved how I was. But as I said, that's not me now at all. In fact, I'm like this. Can you go to the next slide? I'm like a slice of toast. Okay, now my first point from Romans 6 is you're a slice of toast if you're a Christian. You're a slice. And that might seem a bit weird. How on earth did Sam get that from Romans 6? So... Let's have a journey through why I think if you're a Christian, you're a slice of toast. Okay. Well, the first thing is that when we see in a, when we read together that the old is gone. The old is gone is such a key theme in that first part of Romans 6. It's just that Paul says, like, some, he uses some really, really, like, graphic, like, imagery where he says, like, um, you're buried into death. 
You're buried through baptism into death. Your old self was crucified. You've been, you're died to sin. There's, he doesn't mix his words in any way when, he look, when he's talking about being united with Christ. I don't know you, about you, but if I was to enter into a, a little discussion with these Christians and I was talking about being united with Christ, I'm not sure my first point would be, you've been crucified. That would not be what I'd do. That is not just my heart wouldn't be like that. But Paul doesn't mix his words in any way. It's like, no, no, I need to tell you the truth and I need you to hear it straight away. You've been buried. You've been crucified for your baptism. You've been buried. And he says the same um, about, being, about life. It says, just as Christ was raised from dead, through uh, the glory of the Father, we too may live in new life. And in verse 11, it says, we are alive in God, in Christ Jesus. There's this really graphic image that Paul is throwing us again and again at the beginning of the Romans, being like, if you're a Christian, yet you were dead, your old self is gone, and now you're alive. You're totally new. You're totally new in, uh, in, uh, in the Bible. It says this verse here, it says, this means that anyone who belongs in Christ has become a new person. The old has gone and new life has begun. That's what Paul's truth is trying to put across here at the beginning of the Romans to these people. There's this conflict going on as I discussed. And he's like, come on, guys. You need to hear the truth. All of you, if you are a Jewish Christian or a Gentile Christian, you've both been crucified. Your old self has gone. And now you've been made a new creation. You're into a new life. A new life has begun. And that's why I think we're a little bit like a slice of toast. So just like I used to be like a, as that picture's gone, like a rude boy sort of thing, that was what, how I used to grow up. When I became a Christian, it's like how I am today. I don't know, I've been here for a year and a half roughly. Has anyone ever seen me wearing a tracksuit, a white top and Air Force Ones? Sim says he has. He's lying. Let's pray for Sim because uh, lions are sin. Um, so there is a, I've, that's just not me anymore. That's just not me in any way. I wouldn't dream of wearing that again because that's, that's not who I am. I've changed. And just like a piece of toast used to start off as a slice of bread. I don't know about you. Has anyone ever changed, tried to get a slice of toast back to a slice of bread? That's not possible, is it? It's not possible. It, it once was a slice of bread, and it's been made a new thing into a slice of toast, and it can't go back. It can't go back to being a slice of bread anymore because it's totally new. It's totally new. It's a new thing. It's toast. Who would have thought on a Sunday morning you would have come and heard someone talking about toast this much and this passionate about toast? But I love that analogy. I love the fact that I was bread, and now I'm toast. That doesn't sound too great. I'm toast. Um, yeah, I love it. I love it. And just like Paul uses this graphic imagery of like you were crucified. You're dead. You're dead to sin. You died to sin. You, through your baptism, you were buried. And he comes back to it. And now you're alive in God. Humanly, death is the end, isn't it? There's, no, there's a certainty in death. You can't go back. You can't go back. And that's what Paul's saying here. You're a new creation. Your old self has been crucified. That's not who you are anymore. It's not who you are anymore. You've been made new. You've got a new life. Live it. Live it. Live it for God because he has made you a new creation. And that comes with a loads of things in this passage. And the first one, which funnily enough, has already been picked up today, this morning. Don't be condemned by your old ways. 
If you're a new creation, the old is gone. That's not you anymore. That's just not you. All right, I'm going to read you a bit in, Colo- um, bit in Colossians. In Colossians 2. It's just part of Colossians 2. It's from the message version, in case you're thinking I'd never read that like that before. When you're stuck in your old sin, your dead life, you're incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive, right along with Christ. Think of it. All your sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, the old arrest warrant cancelled and nailed to the cross. And that's what this new creation is being brought to life, this new life God's calling you into leading. And Paul's talking about in Romans is your slate has been wiped clean through the blood of Jesus. Through God's amazing rescue plan for you and your acceptance of that. I'm just going to pause for a second. We heard it today. Funnily enough, um, Andy, you won't be aware of this, but uh, I stood there during prayer and I looked at the spoons and I thought, I felt God say to me, someone's going to bring a word about clean and dirty spoons today. And I thought, no, 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 that's a bit weird. Uh, So I dismissed it. And I just want to take a moment. Graham shares a story about this person who's never been invited to give their life to Jesus. And if you feel like you're a dirty spoon, you want your slate wiped clean through the blood of Jesus, I'm just going to take a moment to invite you to become a Christian. I'm going to take a moment to invite you to come into the family of God by simply saying, I'm sorry for what I've done wrong. I believe that in Jesus' death and resurrection was forgiveness of my sins. I can now live for him. So um, why are we going to do this? Because this isn't actually in my notes. We're just going to just spend a moment in quiet. So if you don't mind, just closing your eyes. And if that's you, someone wants to enter into the family of God, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And then um, at the end of the service, end of the meeting, we'd love to come and talk to you so we can guide you through uh, the process of that, it's the most amazing thing I've ever done. So if you feel like a dirty spoon and you want the blood of Jesus to make you clean, to wipe your slate clean, so you can go from place of death to life through Jesus' death and resurrection, just raise your hand now if that's you. Father, we just thank you that you sent your son Jesus down across for us so that everything we have done wrong can be forgiven, that we can be set free from the master of sin, and that we can live for you, and that we're in relationship with you for eternity. Yeah, Father, we just pray anyone who's responding now with hands or hearts, God, that you just, yeah, you come rushing in and show them your love. And we pray this all in your name. Amen. If you've responded in any way, as I said, we'd love to talk to you afterwards. Well, let's carry on because I know we've not got an endless day of, um, of this. We've got encounter tonight, so I need to finish at least by half six. Um, so let's carry on what we're learning about today. We're learning about uh, Romans 6. So we've just said, don't be condemned by the old. Your slate has been wiped clean. And that's what Paul's getting at here. He's like, you're new, live in a new way. And I just felt like there was people here today that look at your past life before you became a Christian, and you write yourself off. You're like, I did this. I did that. I mucked up in this way. 
God could never use me because of what I did in like this or this area. And God just says, no, that is not true. That is the lies of the enemy. I've made you a new creation. I love you. I, I forgave you. And I forgive you again and again and again and again. He says, don't be condemned because there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And the second way I think, uh, thing we can learn from this is that um, don't, there's this thing, don't, pa- don't follow the pattern of the old. So we look at the Jewish Christians and they're wanting to, to live in their, their Jewish law, even though they've become Christian. And uh, we look at the, the Gentiles, they needed a bit of learning as well. And what, when Paul talks about this death to life, he's, he's talking about a radical change, isn't he? Like bread to toast can't go back, as I said. Death to life, that's a, that's a huge change. And so Paul is calling his people to change. He's calling his people to not live in the old way. But I just felt like there's a problem there. The problem is that we're all human. Now, I don't know about you, but there's times where I'm tempted to go back to my old ways. If we think back to young Sam Wilkes on the board with his white trainers on and his white uh, tracksuit and everything, although I don't want to wear the clothes, there's certain situations where my mind flicks back into how I lived. Especially if I'm feeling fear. I learned during that time when growing up, I, someone tried to mug me on three occasions, so I learned how to carry myself. I learned how to act in a certain way. And there's times when I'm feeling nervous, that I can click back into that moment and that mindset of, oh no, I have to look big, I have to look strong, I have to look like there's no fear. And I think we see that in the Bible we see that in the Israelites when they're on the journey out of Egypt. They're wanting to go back to Egypt. They're wanting to go back to their old way. And I think that's likely why Paul writes this. Is that sometimes we have a mindset of wanting to go back to the old. Now I was really challenged by that myself. And it's something I had to spend time with God about saying, God, in my walk with you, are there things from my old self that you've got rid of and you've dealt with that I still, want to, I still want to walk in today. And I want to put that to you, church. Do you have that mindset as well? That it's things that you lived in before Jesus saved you, that you're tempted to go back ways of thinking, actions. Maybe it's just something to ponder on yourself. Or saying, God, you've made me new. I don't want to go back to the pattern of my old thinking. I want to walk as a new creation in you. And then we get to uh, the next bit where I feel Paul just takes a little switch. If you could jump to the next slide. Where it says, because you've been made new, I'm going to call you, I'm going to call you into a life of holiness. And actually, as a church, this is something we're feeling prophetically at the moment. There's a call into an act of, of walking in holiness every single day. And um, I wanted to tell you a little story again about me. I don't actually mind making fun of me at all up here. So I want to tell you about recently. I know we're not boasting about fasting, and you'll see why this is not boasting about fasting. Recently, I decided to fast for three days. And uh, I wanted to do it. It wasn't like anyone made me. I wanted to do it because I felt like God was calling me to get closer to him through the act of fasting. And it was going quite well, if I'm honest. Day one, tick. I was like, this is easy. Why is anyone moan about this? And then day two, I started smelling food. And that's really food that wasn't there. I could smell it. I got home to Lay and I said, Lay, I smell a burger today. 
that wasn't that. I'm so hungry. I want this burger. But I kept going. I kept going. And then I spoke to Graham. We had a meeting. And uh, just to, he offered me some food. And I said, sorry, I'm fasting. Um, I think he took delight in that. But that's okay. Um, and then he gave me some amazing advice. He said, when you finish, don't have a McDonald's. Because he said, you'll be unwell. Because your body won't be used to it after three days. I thought, thanks, Graham. That's good advice. Day three finished. I'm driving home. <laughs> oh, there's McDonald's, I see. I pulled into McDonald's, and I, I got a McDonald's. I was so hungry. Out came the Big Mac. Out came it. I was like, I literally devoured this food. And I was like, oh, Graham was wrong. I felt fine. Graham, you weakling. And I, was like, and I was like, this is so good. And then I got home and it hit. The food hit me. My body was not ready. I ran to that toilet. I was so unwell. It was unreal. And I feel my story of fasting like that is sometimes how my walk with Jesus can be like. I know you're not going to get it just yet, but I'm going to explain why I think it's like that. See, the message of the cross, the message of Jesus doesn't finish at the cross. The cross is the pinnacle where we are set free and saved and we are redeemed. But God doesn't just say you're saved and we're done. When we're saved, we're called into a life of relationship with him that we walk daily with him. Um, I was hoping to have the other mic so I could do this a bit easier. But sometimes I think we think that this harms our life, earthly life, and this arm is our heaven when we die. And that when, we, when we die, we come spend forever with him. But that's not what the Bible says at all about becoming a Christian. Becoming a Christian is more like this, if I could hold my arms properly. So it's like this. We, we're doing life. God's always with us. But then we accept life and we, enter, we accept Jesus. And he enters into a relationship with us for the rest of our earthly life and then for eternity. And I think that's what the message that Paul's saying here when he's calling us to a life of holiness. He says, You've, you've been crucified, you've been made alive, and there's a really cool verse that says, now live a new life. Now live that new life. Because we're now in relationship with God. So it calls us into something new. And I felt like the reason why Paul was put this, well, God put this on my heart for us today is because God is calling us back to his first love. Back to our first love. We had a prophetic word quite recently as a church of um, God calling us as a church back to the first love of Jesus. Falling in love with him again. Yes, running programs, but programs not being the main, but the presence of God being our centrality for who we are and how we live. And I think we see that in Romans 6. I don't read Romans 6 and read, Paul says, run the mums and toddlers group. I I don't see that. Not that that's wrong, because I love our toddler group here. That's why I chose it as an example. He's not, Paul doesn't say that. He says, live a new life. Live one that is totally for God. And I just saw that when I was just weighing this up with God in preparation for this, I just felt God remind me of that story in the Gospels where of the prodigal son. And as we enter into learning now about a life of holiness, that image of running back, coming back to the Father and the Father running to you to wrap his arms around you is where we're going to journey from today. Just like my fasting story, 
I didn't do it because I felt I had to. I did it because I felt God called me into a, a closeness with him through that act. And it worked. I did feel close to him during that time. So as we enter into this, this journey of living a holy life, I really feel God wants to have a mindset. We don't do it because we have to. We do it because we want to. Because of his amazing love for us. And how when you redeemed us, we just said, yes. Yes, I live for you. And I think we need to switch into that mindset when we look at holiness. I don't know about you, but there's times when I live my life going, oh, I can't do this sin, or I can't do this thing because God doesn't want me to do it, and I can't do that. But I feel like God said to me, you need to switch your mindset in this, Sam. You don't look at these things and think you can't do it. Divert your eyes to Jesus and focus on him and live for him. And as Paul calls us into a life of holiness, that's what we need to do. We need to be living for him in that way. And we, we see in Romans 6, um, again and again, Paul uses this term, united with Christ. And that's who we are. We're united with Jesus in Jesus' death and resurrection. And in the Romans 6, we also see, it says that we're no longer slaves to sin. Our master has changed. It's totally changed. It talks about we were mastered by sin and now we're slaves to God, which is an interesting term in itself. Sin is no longer your master. And as we, we said before, I've, I'm a true believer in that when you become a Christian, you do a transformation from a sinner to a saint. Now, I, I'm not saying that you don't sin, because I sin. <laughs> I would be the worst preacher ever if I stood up and said, I don't sin because I'd be lying to you. I sin, I muck up. But when we look at the term saint in the Bible, it says saint basically means someone who's been made holy and set apart. And that's the church, we've been made holy and set apart. And I think when we shift our mindset into that, we're saints who get things wrong, rather than we're sinners. We move from a place of condemning ourselves to knowing who we are in Jesus and striving to live for him. Now, that doesn't mean in any way we negate the fact we sinned and the fact we do sin. But it's just a shift in the mindset of that. And finally, who we are, we are certain. We are certain for eternity. It says in verse 22, it says, But now you have been set free from sin and you've become slaves of God. The benefit you recap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. So when Paul's talking about a holy living here, he roots in eternity with Jesus. So when we live, for it, when we live daily for him, our thinking and our actions need to be rooted in the eternity of Jesus, that definite truth that we will be with him forever and he's with us now. And as we come to a close, we just got a, a couple of verses to look at just to finish. And it's when we talk, Paul talks about... Um, how we effectively live this holy life, knowing that we are made holy, we've been set free from sin. And it, there's this great phrase in verse 17, and I think I've read Romans 6 quite a lot of times, and I've kind of skipped past this. So Romans 6, verse 17, at the beginning of it says, but thanks be to God. And God just really hit me with that phrase. It's not even the whole verse. It's just the first part of that, but thanks be to God. And I felt like when, God, when Paul's writing this, he uses that phrase because when we live a life of holiness, we're called into a life of praise. But thanks be to God. 
That's with our worship. That's with our sung time. That's with our lives. That's every part of us needs to have a thankful heart, a thankful, thank you, Jesus. And Brian preached on part of this last week when he did the exam. There was an aspect of gratitude. We need that heart position of a life of holiness. It's a life of praise and thanks to God because there's always something to be thankful for. There's always something to be thankful for, no matter our situation. The second aspect I think Paul touches on here is obedience. He says that we've gone from uh, becoming a slave to sin to a slave to God and a slave to righteousness. Verse 13 says this, Do not offer any part of yourself as a sin or to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God. And verse 18 says this, You've been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. So if we were a slave, and Paul's calling us into this life, a slave to God is quite a weird concept, I think. I don't know about you, but slavery has quite a negative connotation in my head <laughs> when I think about it. But then when you look at the word slave, and Paul talks about this as well, a slave realistically means to wholeheartedly give yourself over to something or someone. And so when we're slaves to God, it means we're obedient in every single aspect of our life. Whereas once sin mastered us, we've now been set free. And we live for him. We live in obedience. And there's a, a thing in rugby, I was talking to Lay about it, that if you want to walk in a life in a certain way, learn a new skill, they say in rugby, you have to do it at least a thousand times before it comes second nature. So you practice the drill again and again and again and again until it becomes second nature of how you do it. And I think that's what our life with Jesus can be like. We're going to muck up, but we need to practice obedience again and again and again and again until it becomes second nature to us. So as I draw to a close, God is calling us into a life of holiness. Not because it's a, a chore. It's because of what he's done. The old has gone. The new has come. He's calling us into a place of praise and obedience. And a perfect example of that is Jesus. In Romans 6 verse 10, it says this. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. How amazing for that for us. I want to be a person who does the end of that sentence. But the life Sam lives, he lives for God. And I just want to leave you with that challenge today. That call to holiness as the band comes up to, pray, to worship last time. God is calling us to live out that verse. You can put your own name in it. But the life Sam lives, he lives for God. What a challenge that is for us today. And we're going to worship together in a moment. I'm just going to pray. But if anything from today, any of the words or any of the anything I've spoken about today has touched you, we'd love to spend some time with you today praying about it, talking things through with you. Um, but yeah, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to worship together. Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that 
you have set us free from sin. Sin is no longer our master that we, and you call us into holy living day by day, moment by moment. And God, we just pray for all of us here that we use that verse as our, as our walking march each day. That I will live for you. I will live for you, Jesus. And as we worship together, God, speak, continue to speak to us. Continue to, to guide us. And we pray this all in your name. Amen.